You're listening to a rebroadcast of a live walk talk from Instagram. Read about it in great detail. So let's go ahead and get started today. Um, if you're new to my ministry, my name is Matt McMillan. I'm a Christian author. I've written seven books. All of my books are available on Amazon in paperback and Kindle. Um, if you want to contact me directly, you can always email me. My email address is matt at mattmcmillan.com. That's M-A-T-T at M-A-T-T-M-C-M-I-L-L-E-N.com. Shoot me an email if you want to contact me. Um, I'm not a pastor. I get called Pastor Matt every day. I'm a regular person just like you. I love pastors, but the word pastor is only used once in the New Testament, and it is never used in the context that our modern church uses it. There's nothing in scripture which leads us to believe there is a single person who is supposed to stand up in front of everybody, tell everybody what to do, and then everybody look to that one person for all truth. Some pastors are not even believers. So the word pastor in scripture is a spiritual gift. It is a shepherding gift. It is simply a leadership gift. It's great. There's nothing wrong with it, but we have turned it into what it is because of the 17 and 1800s where the pastoral position was placed on a high pedestal to where everybody looks to the pastor, but that's not what the Bible teaches us. In the Bible, we are listed as groups, as the church, as individual bodies of believers, and we all know the truth because Christ lives in each and every one of us. So, um, I do check my DMs, but it's a lot to keep up with. So, email me. I always reply to my emails. My DMs, I just they're just, and I have a life. So, um, just to answer that question real quick, I saw it pop up. Do you check your DMs? I do, but that's why I say email me because it's easier to get a hold of me. But the pastoral position, I always mention this in the beginning because I want you to have confidence in who you are. As a regular person, your pastor, if you go to church, is not on a higher level than you. Your pastor is not more anointed than you. We are all anointed with the Holy Spirit. Anoint means to cover or to place inside of. That's also baptism. And that is what has happened to you. Spit on my gum there. <laughs> so, love pastors. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with our church. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with pastors. I'm saying let's refocus on the truth. We have retrofitted our modern church. We have retrofitted our modern church into the Bible when the Bible should be fit into our modern church. So we've got to switch it around. Even the pastoral letters that we have named pastoral letters, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, Titus, the word pastor is not used in those, in those, Bible, in those uh, letters in the Bible. So let's refocus. Respect your pastors, love pastors, but just know that you know the truth, I know the truth, and that is Christ in us and through us. All right, so um, on to today's topic. Uh, Christians will never hear, depart from me, I never knew you. Anytime I write about this, make a meme, make a TikTok, make a video, these this particular topic gets more attention than anything I ever talk, write, post, shoot videos about. Why is this? Why are people so freaked out when I say Christians will never hear, depart from me? And it's not everybody. It's the people who are struggling with legalism. They are the group 
I'm not saying they're not believers. I'm saying they're struggling with an error. They are the group who says, this is not true. Jesus will say, depart from me to Christians. And then they'll use Matthew chapter 7. That's not the context of Matthew chapter 7. So I want to touch on this live walk talk briefly on some of their rebuttals because I can only reply to so many comments and this will make it simpler. Um, and I love replying to your comments. I'm not saying that's burdensome. I'm not saying it's stressful. I'm not saying I'm angry. Um, I enjoy interacting with people, even those who disagree with me, even those who are sarcastic or rude. I'll still interact with them a little bit if I feel like it. Sometimes I won't. I'll just delete their comments. But I enjoy replying to this stuff because I've been there and I know what it's like to be stuck in fear of Jesus will somehow say, depart from me. I'll, I'll, I never knew you. And then they'll take this passage from Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter seven, and then they'll combine it with revelation three and they'll say you're lukewarm. And then we just have this, <laughs> this mixture of just error. What does error do? What's the opposite of error? Truth. What did Jesus say the truth will do? It will set you free. So if you're hearing error, you're going to be in bondage in your mind. You're going to be thinking, I'm afraid God's going to punish me. First of all, why would Jesus say, depart from me? Think about that. Why? There's only one correct answer. It is because you never believed in him by grace. That's it. That is the only unforgivable sin. And once you have believed by grace, you cannot commit the unforgivable sin because you've been born again. Birth is final. Your supernatural rebirth into the family of God. You traded your sinfulness for his righteousness. You received a new spirit. You were sealed up with the spirit. You're one with God. This cannot be changed. So when we look at Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is talking to people who say, Lord, Lord. That's the first rebuttal. So they'll say, Unbelievers wouldn't call him Lord. Now, hang on just a second. Unbelievers call him Lord all the time. Just because you call somebody something doesn't mean you have a personal relationship with them. If I called up Shaquille O'Neal and I say, hey, what's up, Shaq? What's up, Diesel? How you doing, man? He'd be like, I don't know you. I'm calling him by his name. Shaq doesn't know me. We have no personal relationship. So these people, just because they were calling Jesus Lord, does not mean he ever knew them personally. Why? Because they never believed in him by grace. To get the context for Matthew chapter 7, go all the way back to Matthew chapter 5. Read Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. This is not a give it your best shot section of scripture. This is not a, oh, just take this as hyperbole. No, these three chapters, five, six, and seven, these are a, a death sentence for anybody who thinks they could possibly do it. This is law. This is not your commitment. This is not your best effort. This is not... 
I, I'm gonna be graded on a scale of one to 10. This is, you cannot do this. And Jesus even starts out in the beginning by saying, be perfect like God, like your father, like your father in heaven. These people who heard this knew that they were not doing that. So this is meant to put a gulp in your throat and say, Ooh, that looks difficult. That looks hard. It's impossible, actually. It's a death sentence. So he tells them the Lord's Prayer even, the supposed Lord's Prayer. That prayer is a ministry of death, a prayer of death. Why? Because if you don't forgive others, God won't forgive you. Were these Pharisees doing that? No. Plus, they all knew God does not forgive you by forgiving others. They knew they got forgiveness annually at the temple. They went to the temple once a year, handed over their uh, bull, goat, dove at the altar. They were forgiven. That's why Jesus said, leave your sacrifice there and go get right. Because that's where they were looking for their forgiveness. So it starts out as an impossible standard, and then he continues. You have heard the law says this, but I tell you, if you even lust after a woman, if you're even angry with somebody, let give whoever asks you for anything you have, give them everything and don't ask for anything in return. Was any of these people doing that? No, none of them. They were doing the opposite of that. And then at the end of Matthew chapter seven, well, when Jesus starts going through Matthew chapter seven, he's listing false prophets and unbelievers who look to their works for righteousness. Who were the real false prophets? It was those who said he was not the Messiah. That's how you knew somebody was a false prophet. If somebody says, Jesus is not the Messiah, he is not the way to God. That's a false prophet. That's why we gotta stop calling other Christian teachers false prophets. Because just because somebody's struggling with some type of error, it doesn't mean they're a false prophet. It just means they're struggling with some type of error. Or they might be struggling with something that's completely different than what you were brought up on. So rather than immediately call somebody a false prophet, take what they are saying and compare it to the new covenant. What, is, what does this have to do with what God brought in at the cross through Jesus? Okay. Now, if they're saying Jesus is not the Messiah, there are multiple ways to God. That's definitely a false prophet. But even the prosperity preachers, they get called false prophets all the time. They're not false prophets. If they're struggling with... Um, wanting more stuff. That's error. That's their struggle. But that doesn't mean that they are false prophets. False prophets say Jesus is not the Messiah. That's the litmus test. Now, uh, what's another rebuttal that they'll say for this? Okay. They'll say, did we not cast out demons? Did we not perform miracles? Did we not prophesy? First of all, what does prophesy mean? to speak out. Before the cross, Old Testament prophecy was prophets speaking out what God was trying to say to them. What was the number one thing the Old Testament prophets were speaking about? Jesus. They were prophesying, speaking out about this coming Messiah who would get rid of this old covenant between God and Israel and bring in the new covenant. Prophecy, to speak out. We see in Hebrews chapter one that now that Christ is here, God no longer speaks to us through the prophets, but through his spirit. Why? Because we have his spirit in us right now. So 
Old Testament prophecy is different than New Testament prophecy. What is New Testament prophecy? Paul tells us, excuse me, and he told the Corinthians, it is for edification, consolation, and encouragement. It's what I'm doing to you. I'm speaking things out to you. I'm edifying you. What do I need to edify you about? Your once for all forgiveness with Jesus, um, your new identity. I need to encourage you about everything Christ has done for you, to you, so he can do stuff through you, through your actions and attitudes. New covenant prophecy is not about crystal ball reading. It's not about scanning the crowd and saying, oh, you, you right there. I'm getting a word. You're going to be in Antarctica next year. And you're going to start an orphanage. I'll speak it over you. That's not prophecy. That's error, which creates bondage. So error, not the truth, bondage. New covenant prophecy is about edification, consolation, and encouragement. That's what it is. So did we not prophesy? Come on, let's put this together. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy? What did he just say about the false prophets? They were saying he wasn't the Messiah. So he gives them their answer. No, I never knew you because you did not prophesy about me. Okay. Now, what else? Did we not perform miracles? Again, this is a question. But those who struggle with legalism want to say they performed miracles in his name. They didn't. They're asking Jesus. But they ask Jesus the question. They ask Jesus the question. And then we ignore that. <laughs> we don't go to his answer. We stick to the question. Lord, did we not prophesy? No, it wasn't about me. Did we not cast out demons? No. Or, or did we not perform I'm going to get to the demon casting in a minute. Did we not perform miracles? No. So, those who struggle with legalism will say, they couldn't have performed miracles without Jesus. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Hang on. Go look at Pharaoh's magicians. Exodus chapter 7. Miracles. They appear to be miracles. They appear to be miracles. They appear to be miracles. One more time. That was their question. He gave the answer. Never. You didn't do that stuff in my name. Look, there are tribal religions everywhere on this planet. People dancing around campfires. Some weird stuff happening. Limbs regrowing. Whatever. Look it up. Jesus has nothing to do with that stuff. Where is it coming from? Satan. The enemy. This is why Paul told the Corinthians, Satan can appear as an angel of light. Jesus is not involved with the, this group of people. He has nothing to do with them. Never means never. Did we not prophesy? Did we not perform miracles? Did we not cast out demons? Oh, Matt, they couldn't have cast out demons unless they had the spirit. Really? You don't think Satan can make it appear as if a demon is coming from somebody?
You don't think Satan can make it seem as if a demon is being cast out of somebody? Morning. Happens all the time in these deliverance ministries. People barfing the spirit out. People going crazy. You don't think that Satan can make it appear as if a demon is being cast out. Absolutely. Happens all the time. They were asking a question. Lord, did we not cast out demons? No, not in my name you didn't. Okay, and then I got another rebuttal, which I've heard this one for years as well. Satan would never cast out another demon. Jesus even said that. I know. I know. You're making my own point. <laughs> he would not cast him out. He wouldn't. He'd leave him there. He'd make it appear. So what do you make of these deliverance ministries, Matt? What, what do you say of that? I say it is learned behavior passed down from generation to generation. Something somebody is struggling with, just like other errors that they have seen growing up over time. They've repeated it. Nothing more, nothing less. Paul told, excuse me, John told the young church in 1 John, the evil one cannot touch you. The enemy can't touch you. He can't possess you. He can't touch you. He can't do anything to you. The only thing the enemy and his demons can do to you is lie. Lie to you. They can lie to you about your righteousness. They can twist scripture. They can take stuff out of context to make you afraid of it. That's it. The Bible says Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil. And he did that at the cross. Paul tells us Satan was disarmed at the, at the cross. The devil has no power over us. That's why I rarely talk about him. I used to. That was a big focus of my ministry until I understood the truth that the devil can't touch me. He can't possess me. He can't touch me. He can't even be in multiple places at one time. He's not like God. He goes roaming everywhere as a lion. He roams like a lion. He's not a lion. He's a weakling. His demons are weakling. weaklings. Those who do his bidding, weaklings. So they can't possess a, a Christian. Therefore, we don't repeatedly cast them out. <laughs> All right? It's making sense to you? So, did we not prophesy? Didn't prophesy about me. Did we not perform miracles? Those miracles didn't come from me. Did we not cast out demons? No, you did not. These are all questions. And how did this all come to be? Because Jesus tells them in Matthew, I think it's uh, verse 21. You never did the will of the father. What's the will of the father? <laughs> he tells us to believe in the one whom he has sent. That's the will. That's the work. You know, they said, Jesus, what do we need to do? Here's what you need to do. You need to believe in the one whom he has sent. They weren't doing that. They wouldn't believe. They refused. They were looking to the law for righteousness. Then if we keep reading, he says, depart from me. I never knew you. Now soak this part up because this is really going to help you understand these are not Christians. Workers of lawlessness. This is not law of our local county. 
This is not law of our local state or country. This is lawlessness according to Matthew 5 and 6, the law of Moses. Workers of lawlessness. They practiced lawlessness. Christians don't practice the law. Romans chapter, chapter 6, sin will no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Romans chapter 7, sin afforded by the commandment. What's the commandments? 613 commandments. Now, in context, in, in Romans chapter 7, Paul is actually referring to thou shalt not covet. One of the Ten Commandments. What did thou shalt covet do? It made him sin more. Oh, I can't sin. Oh, I can't sin. Oh, I can't sin. That's what the law does. And it increases sin. Bubbles it up. They were practicing the law. You workers of lawlessness. Law, 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 law. So, that was their practice. We have a new practice. What, what's a practice? What do you do to practice? You know, there's a really talented basketball player, Madison Nelson. She's, a, I don't know if she's still on this, this live, but she's a local girl and she's from Kingston and she is outstanding at basketball. I follow her on Instagram. I think she's going to be doing big things, but what does she do all the time? Every time I see her on Instagram or Facebook, she's practicing, she's practicing basketball. Why? So she can get better at basketball. Christians don't practice sin to get better at sin. Why? Because we've died to sin and we have a new practice, a new practice of righteousness. So the law is not of faith. The law causes you to practice sin. It causes you to practice lawlessness. We've died to the law so that we might live for Christ. Galatians. Even though the law wasn't given to us as Gentiles, we can still count ourselves dead to it. We can create any new modern day law that we want to establish. Anything that says you should or thou shalt, that's a law. We've died to that stuff. We live by the spirit. We have a new practice. We practice righteousness. So Matthew chapter seven is directed at those who practiced lawlessness. Matthew chapter seven is directed at legalists. Matthew chapter seven is not talking about Christians. He will never say to you, depart from me. This is not directed at you, Christian. You don't need to be afraid. This is not, you don't have enough works and you're lukewarm. If this is, you don't have enough works and these people did all this stuff, then what truly is enough works? Do you see that? They were prophesying, casting out demons, performing miracles. How were they lukewarm? <laughs> the problem was belief. They refused to repent from the law of Moses toward faith in Jesus. Practicers of the law. Do more of to get better at. You know, we see in the, in the book of 1 John, he describes uh, a practice he who, is, who, he who is born of God does not continue to practice sin. We don't practice sin. We practice righteousness. Go ahead and sin. We all fall short. We fall short in our actions and attitudes, but that is not us. 
I normally don't read the comments when I when I uh, do these lives, but I saw that pop up. The passage that you just mentioned from Romans chapter 3, we all fall short, is describing an unbeliever. An unbeliever falls short in their identity because they do not believe. Christians do not fall short. We are complete. We do not fall short. Our actions and attitudes might fall short. We are not our actions and attitudes. So we got to separate our who from our do. We are not our do. We are who we are by our supernatural rebirth into the family of God. So I hope this has encouraged you guys today. Um, I'm going to cut this short. My original walk talks were about 10 to 15 minutes. And then over time, they've, they've gotten longer and longer. But I uh, hope this has helped you understand the truth about Matthew chapter 7. Jesus will never say, depart from me, I never knew you. Not to a Christian. And if you believed in him by grace, through faith, one time in your lifetime, you're good to go. He'll never say that to you. So always tell the truth about yourself. What's the truth? You're righteous. You're holy. You're blameless. You're a new creation. There's nothing wrong with you. You're good to go. Just be yourself, friend, and you can't go wrong. All right, guys. Have a great day. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this Walk Talk. Please be sure to rate and review this podcast and share it with others. Subscribe right now so you don't miss out on any new content. To be encouraged daily, you can find me on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook. If you want even more information on my ministry or to check out my books, go to www.mattmcmillan.com.